TED Audio Collective. Okay. The timer's on. It's ready to go. We're here to bring you a special update episode of ZigZag. We're going to try to keep it to 20 minutes, see if we can do it, Jen. I'm Anoush Samarodi. We are between seasons one of ZigZag and season two, but Jen and I have lots to tell you about. So we've got a special episode this week, and then we'll have another special episode in two weeks before we actually officially start episode two on October 11th. Season two. Oh, yes. Thank you. Season two on October 11th. Should people go back and listen to season one, though, if they haven't? Yes, absolutely. Okay, do that. It's a narrative. It's a narrative. Go back. We're weird, wonderful women that you want to get to know and understand blockchain. But on this special episode, we are going to cover the Associated Press joins our weirdo blockchain journalism experiment called Civil. We explain all of that in season one. It is wild, crazy technology that may change the world. We don't know. Other thing we're going to talk about, boredom. It's more relevant than ever. I'm going to explain. And finally, in the second half, why women curse women like us and why research says that's actually okay. We'll be right back. Canva presents Unexplained Appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Okay, so Jen and I are in David Herman's studio recording this. Hello, Jen. You're back from a vacation. Hello, I am. What'd you do? What'd you do on your vacation? Tell us everything. I surfed every day. Great. Shoulder to head high waves, which is very exciting for me because I'm still kind of a noob or a kook. As they're called. Surfing lingo. I didn't know that they were called kooks. I think you're a kook anyway, but like not (laughs) in that way. Um, Cool. That's great. I went to Iceland with my sister um, where I, you know that I wanted to hunt down a crypto miner. I know. It didn't work out, though. I didn't find any crypto miners, um, but I did understand how much geothermal energy, how it works. Like, there's literally energy seeping out of the ground there. Mm -hmm. It was running the hotel that we stayed in. It was just wild. So I started to understand why Iceland is actually a very key country when it comes to building the global crypto economy. How nerdy is that? And that's just because the renewable energy allows for the miners to operate their rigs? Correct. One might say, though, that that energy could be used to, like, power other countries or something. We're get, we got to get into the environmental implications more deeply. No, we got to do a show about yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Episode. Season two. Okay, but now that we are here, quick recap. In our last episode... We called it Enter the Mesh, and we explained what this mesh was. It's like a necklace of companies all linked together using the Ethereum blockchain to build new kinds of products. Mm -hmm. The one that we're associated with is Civil, using blockchain for journalism. But we talked to Joe Lubin, who is the co-founder of this Ethereum blockchain and of Consensus, Mm -hmm. this necklace, Mm -hmm. if you will. Uh, My brother's reaction, he was like, 
he's like a guy who's playing four-dimensional chess with people's lives. That's what he thought. I, I can understand that reaction. Uh, what did you do? You get any reaction to him? I did. I had some people in my life who will not be named that said that the interview made them shiver. Ooh, interesting. Okay, if you don't know what we're talking about, you should listen to the last episode. If you didn't make it to the end of season one, go all the way. I had one woman who just simply sent me a gif of, I think it was Fran Drescher, slow clapping. (laughs) Slow clapping and, like, giving a wink, saying, like, yes. So, kudos. So, the civil experiment, something very important is coming up. What, the sale? Yes, (laughs) yes. Sale back together again, like Bert and Ernie. (laughs) Okay, Laverne and Shirley. Laverne and Shirley. Um, September 18th, a couple weeks to go. It's crazy. I mean, think about when we started this back in April. Didn't it seem like that was so far away? Well, it was far, wasn't that far away because it was supposed to happen in July. But anyway, here we are, September. They say that they're, oh, wait, I gotta look up. You you tell them about more about the AP thing while I look up how many people have registered for the project. Okay, so it's the civil media company has just announced a partnership this week with the Associated Press. It's pretty interesting. It's, you know, the AP, if you're familiar with it, I mean, most people are, it's 172-year-old media company that's really provided important international and national news to, to news organizations all around the world for a very long time. And um, right now it seems like the, the partnership is mostly aimed to help deliver licensed content to the newsrooms mm-hmm. on Civil. Yep. I worked for ours. the BBC. Uh, we, AP was one of our providers of content. Yeah. And now on a smaller level, all these Civil newsrooms, that would be nice. If yeah, they could. helpful. And then I think there's more of an—it seems like they're interested in kind of the experiment here that we're exploring with journalism. So they're going to look at things like tracking content usage, meaning who's reading what. They'll be able to track that with uh, blockchain technology. So they're interested in that. And also securing intellectual property rights and authorship. So copyright stuff. Correct. Can I make a clear uh, distinction there? When we say tracking people, we don't mean like creepy like Facebook tracking people. Right. We mean like understanding how information moves, yep. essentially. Mm-hmm. Okay, not because we, they want to sell advertising. No, against no, just it. content usage. Just like yep. the, you know, who's reading what stories or where photographs are being placed in different stories. That sort right. of thing. And so, let's say uh, I'm a photographer with the AP, and I, or let's say I'm not. Let's say I'm a freelance photographer. Yep. And you sell. And I sell it, but then I like go on this blog, and I'm like, what the hell? This person has my photo up there. Right. This is a way that they can track who is using the content and making sure people get paid for it. Correct. So I think this is interesting because we got a letter from a listener last week that said, I listened to the entirety of season one and I consider myself reasonably tech savvy, but I don't get it. At the end of the day, I fail to grasp why or how a comparatively simple collective subscription model without all the crypto nonsense couldn't achieve similar purpose of uh, basically creating a revenue stream for Mm -hmm. the journalism, for all the newsrooms that are going to be on civil. He's like, I don't understand why we have to make it so complicated to want to pay for journalism Mm -hmm. with this whole civil token curated registry thing. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're saying actually 
adds an element that we have not talked about a lot, Mm -hmm. which is this idea of intellectual property. Um, If I say we published first and broke a story, another journalism outlet can't just like grab it and go with a headline. It's trackable, especially on the blockchain. The idea is that you should pay these people rights for that for publishing first. Instead of places like Facebook and Google, which essentially aggregate all the headlines and then take the advertising dollars against it. I think that's a key point to make. So maybe that helps you, listener. A couple other listeners in with some information. Can I just add something to that, Yeah, please do. I I think also this is a very, very kind of beta form of potentially what this different type of journalism platform could look like. And I imagine that the civil folks, I don't know, and I'm not going to speak for them, but that they're thinking about the user Mm. experience and how complicated it is. I mean, that's a plus for when you get on Facebook, right? You just sign away. You you sign on. Sign away. You do. You (laughs) sign away your rights to your data, (laughs) essentially, and to your attention. And they're trying to create a different model. And I I grant you the user, quote-unquote, user experience, like what you feel like you're experiencing when you try to sign on to this complicated system. It, it's it's complex and it's overwhelming. But they have taken on that feedback. And if you check out the civil website, which is civil.co, you will see that the entire thing has been given a refresh mm-hmm. and it looks more like for normal people, not for crypto nerds. Right. They're trying to make this, which they want it to be the first consumer-friendly blockchain project. Mm-hmm. Is it Friendly enough? I don't know. It's friendly to about 1,200 people who have now registered for the token sale. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it's still small, though. It speaks to the complexity, I think. I think you're absolutely right. So a couple more emails I wanted to tell you. I still plan to contribute to Civil from this listener who says, I love the concept, but I'm nervous. Mm -hmm. We hear you, as are we, dear listener friend. Uh, Madeline writes, I'm a big fan of your podcast. Thanks, Madeline. I've started the process to buy Civil tokens but again, I'm a little put off by the complicated nature of purchasing them. Uh, I'm interested in buying them solely to be part of the movement. Well, Madeline, I got to say, you are exactly the person they want to join in because it's about your belief in the concept, not because you think you're going to make a quick buck. And then she asks, would you rather have the money as a direct donation or do you prefer that I buy civil tokens? Oh, you nobody's rep- asked us directly that question. Oh, no, many people have. Oh, well, maybe we've just never fully addressed it. Go for it. I think you did in episode 12, didn't we you? Did, I mean, we said it depends on what you want. If right. you're If you're really into the the whole experiment as like a philosophical idea and want to see how it plays out and wants to want to participate then and are willing to report back to us yeah totally then do the civil tokens do the civil but tokens. do it if you're like really curious and you you want to spend your time doing yeah that. yeah if you don't but you still want to support us we would love for you guys to donate to us it'd be awesome where can they do that are the links working god damn it i don't know <laughs> Some Okay, I, we just got an email in the inbox that said, do you know that there are a lot of bugs on your website? And this lovely person offered to fix them for us for free. Thank um, you. We might take you up on that. But there is an easy way to donate. If you go to zigzagpod.com slash donate. But if you want, I mean, basically, Civil is still doing these webinars it's a free education in crypto. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like even if you decide not to purchase civil tokens, it's like continuing ed for free to yeah. understand. Um, I want to say one other place to look at, and a lot of listeners have mentioned this, is there is another project going on out there. I just want to mention it. It's called Basic Attention Token 
Org. The bat is mm-hmm. the name of their token. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that they cut out the advertisers and journalists get rewarded for the amount of time people spend with their work uh, and many other things. So we will link to that in the newsletter this week. Uh, they had a crazy token sale last year, but that was back when crypto was high. And basic attention token is also built on the Ethereum blockchain. And you may be using the browser and not even know that you are taking part in this. It's called the Brave browser, and they just hit 10 million downloads, uh, which is fascinating. comes from one of the guys who uh, founded Mozilla, which is cool. Wow. That's a lot. I mean, what are they publishing exactly? 10,000 downloads of what? The Brave browser. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I don't know how many people are involved in the basic attention token, but we think this is, we're going to follow up on that. Right. I'm moving on now. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. So this week, uh, the paperback version of my book came out. Thanks. Congratulations. It's kind of weird. It's cool. I will say... How do Wait, I can we just say what it is? Oh, yes. Uh, the name of the book is Bored and Brilliant, and it was based on uh, the interactive project that I did with tens of thousands of listeners, maybe you, on the other show that we used to do, Note to Self. So the book is about the attention economy, how you can find focus in a very, gosh, I'm feeling it right now, in a very saturated world. There's so much coming out at us. But if you understand some of the design behind the technology, the neuroscience, and also what people's very personal experiences have been with trying to modify their behavior. So anyway, Bored and Brilliant, paperback is out. You can buy it or not. I don't own the book, speaking of intellectual property. Um, But I do believe wholeheartedly that actually this book truly is more relevant than ever. The other thing happening this week, Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, going to Capitol Hill. Sheryl Sandberg going to Capitol Hill to talk about, you know, what role do these tech companies have in terms of deciding where we spend our time, our attention, where we get our information, and vetting whether any of that information is true. That is why I wrote the book, Three years ago, when people thought I was being really weird about technology that was making our lives a lot easier. But here we are, three years later. Same conversation. So that's exciting. Uh, The project was three years ago. The book came out a year ago. The paperback is out this week. And it's not aging. Like, Mm -mm. it's It's totally relevant. Yeah, thank you. No, it is. Jen read the book. I definitely read the book. (laughs) Also, by the way, you're in the acknowledgments, and did you see what it says? You're my audio soul sister or something? Yeah, and then I say, I can't wait to see what we make next. See? Look at that. You manifested. I manifest. No kidding. You're right. All right, we're going to take a break now. When we come back, a listener who curses a shitload, but in a different language. And she also explains why. And we will explain why we drop some F-bombs. Yeah, why we drop some F-bombs and what the reaction has been. So we'll be back. We're back. It's ZigZag. I'm Anoush Samarodi. Hi, John. Hello. (laughs) So one of the interesting themes that came out of season one that you and I were fascinated by was the extremely strong reaction that people had to us cursing on the show. 
And like our moms. I was about to say, including our mothers. Oh, my God. So we did. There was one moment in season one where I read out loud um, a letter from David, one of the listeners who basically chided us like silly. You sound like silly girls when you laugh about complex topics. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing, laughing about complex topics. Obviously, it's okay to laugh and be smart. But the other thing was the cursing. Right. So we went around and around and around yeah. in the background, having this conversation back and forth on basically our feelings. Because first, we scripted it in to the show mm-hmm. at the very beginning, and then we started using it more just in our everyday language, the way we talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And, and we got some emails that were specifically about that. They were like, some of them were like, "Could you please not do that? I want to listen to this podcast in the car with my teenagers." cut it out or it's unladylike yeah that was the big one yes or that like somehow we were uh devaluing yes the work that we were doing by swearing because it was like lowest common denominator way of talking yeah which i don't know i thought i mean i thought about it but i i just don't i don't know i don't buy it because people have been swearing Forever. Forever. So then the other set of emails that we got were specifically about the swearing and how much they loved it. Women who were like, fuck yeah. Yeah. You know, it's about time that women swore and it wasn't some big deal or like a black mark on their like poise or or, or elegance in some way. So while you were away, I, I, I did a little bit of research. Mm-hmm. And there's a very interesting woman. Her book, Dr. Emma Byrne, she's actually an AI researcher, oh. but... Um, She's also fascinated by swearing. Her book is called Swearing is Good for You. And she says the reason why she's fascinated is because the one thing that's good for you. Can I just read you a little quote here? She says the cursing is the language that comes when other words fail us. It's the language that is most likely to last beyond the cognitive ravages of age. And as a result, swearing has a rhetorical impact that no other words have. When I swear, I am talking straight to your emotions. And yet women are still disproportionately encouraged to straight lace our vocabulary for fear of causing offense. Asking others not to voice their fury in the name of civility is just another way, conscious or not, of keeping the playing field tilted in your favor. Meaning, I guess, the older men who wrote us, mostly. Women swearing, like women's anger, seems to terrify and perplex. I think that's absolutely right. Do you? Yeah, I really do. I think it's, it's, it is similar to the, the question about giggling and laughing, like whether we mm-hmm. can be intelligent women reporting on technology and still use an F-bomb every once in a while or but still I, laugh every I, once in a while. And I, 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 I don't you feel, sorry, I don't sure. mean to interrupt you, but like I feel like men, well, I don't know. I don't want to be, you know, plati- speak platitudes about cursing, but I feel like that idea of emphasis is mm. what I mean by it. Like where words literally fail you and you're like, I don't know how to explain to you how angry I was over sure. all the stuff happening with me too. Yeah. Like, fuck you know what I mean like there's nothing else I can say sometimes they also say I think I've and I don't have the the facts to back this up I should I should have looked this up but you were surfing it's cool uh they say it also helps to relieve pain like psychological and physical pain I cut that one out of my list you are absolutely right like if you are like sugar 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 while you're getting like um you know stitches put in yeah it, it does doesn't not, work. Exactly. It doesn't work. Only Which, shit, shit, Sometimes shit. there are limits to language and you just need to express yourself. It's almost more of a physical way yes. of expressing yourself. I think that's true. Uh, and I, I think um, I can understand where 
you know, this there was a bar for a long time in reflecting civility in society. But, you know, to be honest, every once in a while we need to be able to just express ourselves. And a big part of this podcast is that we are being honest. People, a lot of our listeners have written in and said they really appreciate the authenticity and the honesty that we're bringing. And yeah. part of that is that this is the way you and I actually talk to each other. Yep. So we want it to be real. We're gonna it's say not fuck to be cool. There are a couple while. people who are like, you don't sound cooler because you're cursing. And I'm like, no, I know. oh, gosh, that's not what I you know, want to do. My brother pointed out to me that the difference between scripting it in and, and talking. Mm, that's and that, interesting. That I have taken to heart. I understand that a little bit more. I mean, we were still experimenting with the format at the very beginning of the season. So I don't think we're doing that anymore. Yeah. I mean, one of the best podcasts out there is WTF, right? Mark Maron. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. But okay, so we we do take the point, though, that in order for it to continue to have impact, it can't be overused. I did cut it out of a couple episodes. That's okay. I mean, it it has to be in the right context, too. Right. I would like to add, by the way, that Mark Maron interviewed President Obama on his podcast. So President Obama wasn't worried about what the fuck going on what the fuck. Say it one more time. What the fuck? All right, cool. All right, so we're going to wrap this uh, special edition up. We will be back in your podcast feed in two weeks. I also got a letter from a listener who asked that we say we will be back in a fortnight. Uh, We will be out fortnightly. So for those of you who know that that means every two weeks, yes, that's what it means. Other people, biweekly, that's more of an American phrase. Whatever. We're going to be back on September 20th. And then again, season two starts on October 11th. I'm really excited about season two. Me too. It's going to be great. So please tell everyone you know, though, to listen to season one so that we can, you know, get on the same page. What's the best way to explain to people why season one is, like, they should listen to that first? I mean, they don't have to, but... Well, first of all, it's a blockchain explainer. It's going to lay out the basics. And if you don't have those basics, if you do, great. But if you don't, it's a really good place to go and just learn the basics behind that technology. But... Also, the show is really about getting to know you and me and our Mm. experiments. And it's, you know, it'll help you have a sense of foundation for what we're trying to do here, both with journalism and our business and our families. You know, get to know us a little bit. Get to know us a little bit. So we're going to wrap it up. Oh, where can they find us? Zigzagpod.com. Some of you have asked, where can I listen without downloading the show in an app? You can listen on the website. Mm-hmm. Also, we are in every podcasting app out there. If you're there, leave us a review. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Right, uh, what do you do? The star thing? Yeah. Rate us. Yes. Thank you. We really do want to ask people to tell tell one friend or family mm-hmm. member about this show. If you're really into it, just tell one family member. Friend, yeah, it Gross. makes a huge difference makes to us. A huge, huge, huge difference. Okay, anything else? Oh, we're on the Twitter and the rest of it at Zigzag Pod. I've been a little off of it, but I think that was good for me. I'm so excited to tell people how we're going to wrap up this episode, this little special episode. We're going to wrap it up with a listener whose name is Tine Schenk. Uh, She is a Norwegian feminist who makes music about real life. And she says that includes swearing because in real life, women swear. And she has written this extraordinary song. It's called Ja. That means yes in Norwegian. There's a lot of swearing in it. But unless you speak Norwegian, it's not going to offend you in any way. (laughs) Um, I will say, I just want to read you the chorus. The chorus says... Oh, wait, no, I got to read the first verse, too. First one, can you remember the feeling when you got your license or when you got a great new job 
Remember when you got the biggest present of all and you scored a goal with a lob? Or when you got an A at last? I think it probably sounds better in Norwegian. Chorus. And inside your head, it's just, yes, yes, yes. Yippee, yippee, shit, and yes. <laughs> Fuck, this is bloody great. That's the chorus. <laughs> Tine, we want to thank you for writing thank the song you. and sharing with us and with you, ZigZag listeners. We will see you, hear from you, talk to you in two weeks. Okay, bye. Bye. I think all of that, no edits yeah, needed. Yeah, totally. <laughs>